0: Hello, and welcome to the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. I'm your host, Mike Jefferson. Thank you for joining us as we talk with community leaders from across Greater Des Moines who share their greatest accomplishments and their biggest challenges. Now more than ever during these trying times of the COVID-19 pandemic, leadership remains crucial to the strength and resilience of our region. Let's hear from today's leader. So I've really been looking forward to this one, and I think probably because... I have children of my own, and you know, watching them them grow and and looking at potential opportunities for the things that they're going to be able to involve to be involved in. So, uh, with that, I would like to introduce Nancy Morotti today. She's uh, joining us. She's the founder of Pi Five One Five, which we will touch on what exactly that is here in a little bit. But uh, first of all, Nancy, thank you for joining us today.
1: Well, oh, thank you. Quite an honor. First of all, I I can't even tell you how excited I am to be uh, joining you today. Um, And I want to say a few thank yous. I want to say thank you to a great friend of mine. His name is Tej. Um, I think he's one of my great mentors. Uh, Besides that, I just want to say thank you to a lot of people in Iowa because they've allowed a young girl like me to dream and have an opportunity to create something in this beautiful state. So thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to cheat here for just a second. And I'm going to go pull up your about us section on your website because I I, I think it's awesome. And then I'll let you go into further explaining uh, what Pi 515 is all about, if that's all right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. so for those of you uh, listening here, uh, Pi 515. So the the goal of Pi 515 is to expose a diverse group of students to STEM education and skills uh, to help balance what, we see as an inequity in their representation in STEM fields. And that really, that really touched me because again, as we, you know, live in in Iowa in the Midwest, we are continuing to try to find ways um, to expose our youth and, persons of color to, you know, great opportunities. So, the things you have going on in this field are exceptional and I I as a again as a person of color myself, I appreciate what you are doing to help push that forward. So, with that being said, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what Fi, Pi 515 is all about?
1: You know, actually, I had no intentions of going back into tech. A lot of people don't know this that I had actually gone to school for tech classes. I was a dropout. And um, then I started volunteering and working with uh, a couple of refugee families about 15, 16 years ago. And in the process of helping them, I realized that there were um, opportunities that that lacked for young people in terms of success. So um, my young people, the boys had soccer, the girls had nothing. Most of the time they were just staying home. And um, for, for, for refugee young girls then, it was more of you stay home and you get married. And I was getting worried that I was losing a great number of very young, smart girls. So I started a dance class. Um, I was very ambitious at that time when I was doing a dance class. I kind of sort of had a magazine, called it Riziki Magazine. It was like one of the first online magazine uh, publications that actually featured about innovation in, in, in Africa, the continent. And um, I did an interview with a friend of mine. Her name is Juliana Rotich. She's highly considered in tech. They had just come up, came up with a crowd mapping platform called Ushaidi and everybody was talking about her. And I was like, why is everybody talking about you? We grew up together, you know, we drank the same water. Why this? And she said that they saw a need and decided to come up with this crowd mapping platform. She made it sound so easy. She's like, oh, we just went to Google Map and this is what we did. And I was like, wow, so I could just transition these girls into something in tech. I was so ambitious and I thought I had it all planned out. But the only thing I had then was a logic model with an idea of who, where and when. And I was thinking, I'll just go into the schools and say, hey, we have these kids, we want to do these classes. They'll say yes. That was not the case. So I quickly learned that to be able to build something, especially if you're building something from zero dollars, I was extremely broke. I was a single mother, that you really needed to learn how to create partnerships. And not just short-term partnership, it's long-term partnerships. I quickly also learned how to knock on doors. Because first of all, I'm a person of color. I don't know a lot of influential people. So I had to learn to Google entities and call CEOs and say, hey, would you meet me for coffee? I was rejected so many times. (laughs) And in some places, I was actually accepted. And the people who said, yes, I want to talk to you. and I just want to hear what um, you want to talk about. We're like, yeah, absolutely. We want to be a part of what you're doing. So really what we do with uh, Pi 515 is we expose young people into tech. Uh, I'm big on tech. Um, we do robotics. We've done drones in the past. Uh, we we have a group of young girls and boys who are building apps. Um, this year, we're introducing some machine learning and AI cur- curriculum, but that's going to have to be postponed just a little bit just right. because of trying to get kids online at home. Um, it's going to be a challenge, but I know we're going to be able to do it. So we have an interesting model. And our model, I think, I'm very proud of what we have done, is we have high school students who actually go and teach middle school students. So all our STEM middle school classes are taught by high school students. We pay them $15 an hour. So like last uh, school year, we were in four schools. Uh, This school year, we were looking into getting into five schools. Unfortunately, again, we can't do that this year, Uh, at least this school year. And our high school students are actually taught by tech professionals. So, for example, we are at East High School. For the last two years, employees from American Equity have been coming to teach those classes with us. And what happens is that those kids are able to go to the company, showcase their project, they get to do a job shadow, And then after that, we award each one of them with a laptop to keep. Um, Our model is quite interesting because we want to do a peer mentorship program. And I believe that young people will learn more by peer mentorship because kids cannot be who they don't see. Um, We cannot tell kids, we need you ready for careers in tech, yet nobody, they've never seen anybody creating tech. Uh, Most of the time, my first question is, you're using Snapchat. Do you know who created Snapchat? And they're like, no. I'm like, maybe you should Google that and know who created it and learn how they make money because we need to be able to close the digital gap. And that means we need kids learning to produce, not consume. So that's what we do. Um, we're being very ambitious this year. We're trying to also look at probably studying an apprenticeship. And that is something we might be able to announce later this year. It's a high school att- apprenticeship.
0: Thank you for for giving us the a little more in-depth background uh, for those of you listening out there now you have a better idea of uh, of the goals that that Nancy has tried to accomplish through pi 515 and so you had talked about being broke and but having ambition and you know starting off with an idea uh, if you don't mind share some of the challenges uh, that you went through the as you began that process of going from not having anything. You touched on a couple, you know, about meeting with CEOs, but talk about some of the challenges that you faced and thought that, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? And <laughs> how am I going to get out of this? Or should I just completely scrap this all together? Talk about some of those things.
1: It used to be every day, what am I getting myself into? And then I would see a little success with one kid. i will be like, oh, we, we're doing the right thing. Um, I had to take a huge sacrifice on my end um, just because I really love this young people. I completely quit everything so that I could concentrate on this full-time. And um, actually last week was our sixth year.
0: Oh, congratulations. Six years
1: doing this. Thank you. Six years doing this. And um, so it was very difficult. First of all, I had no money. Um, I didn't even know you needed to register an organization to even um, get a donated laptop. So um, at first I thought would be in the schools that became a little bit challenging And then um, somebody was able to find us a space at a church. And then we started using the church space. The only thing we did not have laptops. And then somebody donated used laptops for us. They were so old that we needed to be charged. (laughs) And I remember uh, we were getting some media um, attention. So one time we had, I think the Atlantic magazine came and did a story and then Des Moines Register also came to do a story, and um, it was People to Watch 2015. And the day they came, everything was not working, even the Wi Fi was not working. And I remember the photographer saying, How do you stay calm in all this? And I was like, You know, of course, since I do, there are things that are just crashing. But then I look at my kids, and I'm like, If I crash and I show them that, what kind of a leader am I showing, right? I have to show them that it's okay to have challenges. But we have to find solutions to be able to solve those challenges. So what I've always told people is we started the program not out of perfect. We started it imperfect, but we were able to build a community to help us build it to what we want it to be. So, yes, we've had multiple challenges. Um, Another one that I think a lot of founders might probably face is rejections. I remember one year I would write proposals. I'd stay up till like even two, three o'clock, just writing proposals, they were rejected every single time, um, looking for money, even for strategic planning. I remember meeting with an organization and saying, hey, we're only looking for $2,500 at the beginning to do strategic planning. They actually told me no. Um, And I was like, okay. I remember being told you guys will only survive for six months. Six years later, we're still here. And that calls for, because um, I think I've been very resilient. And like I said, I built community. Um, It's crucial that when you're building something that you start building a a community or a group of people, even if it's one person, two person who can help you and listen and believe in you um, because you really, really are going to count on them because times get really, really tough and you have to be a strong
0: person. No, I hear you on that. And so, how have you kept your resiliency up? I guess what are some ways? You know, some people we we talk about they listen to to music, or they have, you know, books they read, or they pray, or do yoga. How have you been able to keep your mindset to be a positive one, um, to reflect on you know both your team and the the students that you teach? What are some of the things that you do to kind of help you get through those tough times?
1: I think um, for me, it's been reaching out to other founders. Uh, That is something that I've realized the importance of having a founder group as well. And just reading other founder stories, because there's one thing people don't realize, that women are very, very underfunded, especially when it comes to um, IT and even just um, as a person of color, we're really underfunded when even when we become founders of organizations. So you'll find that you'll find people like us are existing just or organizations are existing because we have to do like four or five things. I'm the grant writer. I'm the, I'm the bus driver. I'm everything for the organization. So sometimes you have to realize when you're carrying all that, just how much weight that is. But um, I do read a lot of books. I try and challenge myself by also looking at other people who are going through similar stories as I am going through. And I'm a personal faith. I always believe that what God has put before me is something that I have to tackle and that he does provide uh, the support that I need, which has been evident with my own story, because I don't think I would have had this story possible today. Um, But I also um, learned a lot from my father growing up. Um, My father was one of those men who it was a traditionalist African who believed that, um, first of all, men should not be in the kitchen. But for some reason, he allowed me to learn from him. He was a, an innovator. He was a businessman. And he allowed me to see him building his business. And when I remember even just being little, him teaching me how to count money. And he would always show me the difficulties of, of running a business in terms of when you're in debt, uh, how to manage debt, not to be in debt. So I learned those things so much quickly. And how do you build a business model, model and how to keep staying innovative So for me, uh, those are some of the things that I'm very grateful. I had a father who helped me through that. And in part of what we also do is to make sure that we are grooming young leaders, those who can think the way we are thinking, because um, in any given time, I might not be there. I want them to be the ones to come back and actually take this up. I'm really um, hoping that um, this is theirs.
0: It's not me. So now, Pi515, you've been around for six years now. And I'm sure you've learned quite a few things along the way. As you prepare for the next six years and beyond, obviously, and especially dealing with the, the COVID pandemic that we're, that we're dealing with today, what lessons in the past are you able to apply to now and in the future?
1: Our biggest thing, especially as an entity that's looking at future of work, and where our kids are going to go. um, I think we're still going to be as loud as we have been, making sure that every single kid that we know has access to technology at home. We cannot expect young people to compete in this world if they don't have access to technology at home. So that's very crucial. Even at the beginning of this pandemic, I I have called everybody and uh, I started calling with, I think I called AT&T, and then I called Mediacom. I'm like, we need Wi-Fi, and um, Mediacom was very gracious. They already had a program um, that provides low-income families to to Wi-Fi. So we've been out there trying to do a laptop drive just to make sure that young people have it. Um, My other concern is future of technology curriculum a curriculum that understands uh, things are shifting because there is no way we go back to normal. We need new innovations. We need young people thinking about uh, solving problems. Um, My advice to adults is we need to stop underestimating young children. They're adapting to technology um, much faster than we are. So we need to guide them and we need to teach them so that they can start solving problems at a younger age. So um, when we are talking about future work and future curriculum, I'm really interested in uh, AI, artificial intelligence, mainly because it's still very biased and it's very biased on people like me. Anytime I'm at the airport, I have to be patted down and it's not the machine. It's because the person who created the machine did not account for people like I passing through, uh, you know, the machine. So how do we teach young people how to have empathy uh, when they are creating um, new technologies? I think for us in the next six years, We will be building bigger and better things and mainly teaching the future technologies and how we adapt to it. We need to be able to adapt to it quicker for the sake of our own local economy.
0: So for the sake of those listening and for you parents of young people out there whose children, including myself, whose children are the future... I invite you to learn more about what PI515 is doing. Uh, Nancy, you have a great organization, and you are doing some really great things in the community, and we definitely ap- appreciate that. And thank you for for coming here today to, to share your story so we can learn a little bit more and educate ourselves. I'm going to throw out the website here. Pursuitofinnovation.org is the website to learn more about PI515. Uh, Nancy I'm sure you're you're quite busy so I'm gonna let you get back to it Uh, but thank you for taking the time to talk to us today and uh, I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm glad I got to learn more and and hopefully after all this is over you and I can grab a cup of coffee so I can learn even more
1: absolutely bring the kids Uh, anytime I can meet young people and talk to them about their future I love it so bring your kids
0: let's challenge them. Fair enough. And we'll have to probably plan about six hours for that because they're going to talk you off once you get to meet them.
1: Uh, I am game. I love talking, too. So.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, Nancy, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leading in Times of Challenge podcast produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. To listen to more stories of inspiration, please visit DSMPartnership.com.